morning, everybody. Good morning. Here we are again. Welcome to those of Christian Coffee Time and any looking in on the broadcast. It's nice to have you with us. This morning we're going to continue on in our study, uh, chronological study of the Gospels. And we're up to Matthew 17. And we'll find that this portion that we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 17 is only found in Matthew. It's not mentioned in the other three Gospels. So it's a kind of peculiar, uh, that's, I don't mean in a bad way, it's just different uh, that way. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 to 27 this morning, okay? And first of all, we're going to have a um, word of prayer and make sure uh, you have your writing materials and stuff handy and uh, let's pray. First of all, Father, we just thank you now, Lord, for this time to look into the scriptures. As we stand upon this holy ground, Lord, we, uh, we come before you and to your word, Lord, with great respect and with a kind of a trembling, Lord. This is your word, and we're going to look at it, and you're going to show us, and you're going to teach us things. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us with the things before us, and that you be honored. Help all those who view this uh, uh, broadcast, and all those that are here in this uh, assembly this, today. Lord, speak to our hearts, touch us, help us. We thank you for all things, and we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to have a look at this um, this bit here. Uh, first off, um, I have to mention something. Last week I made a mistake, an error. Anybody ever make a mistake before? I knew a guy one time, he said, uh, I thought I made a, an error once, but I was wrong. <laughs> That's supposed to be funny, but anyway. Um, we all make mistakes, don't we? Anyway, never mind. Um, I made a mistake last week in saying that um, Peter's home was in Capernaum. That, that's not right. It was, it's not Capernaum. Peter, Andrew, and Philip lived in Bethsaida. Now, as people say that there's two Bethsaidas, but I think the reality of it is, if you look on our map here, that's kind of a funny looking map. That's supposed to be the Sea of Galilee right there. And up in the top end here uh, is a place called Bethsaida near Julian. Now, there might have been another Bethsaida here, but I don't think so. But it doesn't matter what I think. Um, we have Bethsaida near Julian. And the interesting thing about that, you see you have between uh, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, you have the Jordan River. The Jordan River starts up in this area somewhere, okay, and runs down here right to this point. And Bethsaida near Julian is divided by the River Jordan of the north there. On the west side is the, um, the area, the region of Galilee. I, I gapped it last week and was thinking that Galilee started over here, but Galilee runs right over here to the edge of the River Jordan. And this side of the river is the Tetrarchy of Philip. So you have kind of like two cities together. They're divided into two different regions, kind of like, I don't know what it's like. Um, but that's what that's about. And they lived on the west side in Bethsaida near Julian on the, on the west in, in, uh, um, in Galilee. Okay? So I said that Peter's home was in Capernaum, but that's incorrect. Peter and Andrew Philip, as I said, were from Bethsaida. Peter's house was there. All right? Now, um, I also mentioned that they had left, and it would seem that we looked at the uh, transfiguration on the mountain and such. And wondered what about what about the seven or the eight days 
that we don't have any information about and could it have been that they had moved over into this area and traveled around and came to Capernaum because we saw scribes and such. Now I was thinking that it must be that because uh, I don't think there's a synagogue up in Bethsaida, there's one over in Capernaum. And you remember when the Lord went up there, I remember healed the blind man and he said, I see men as trees walking. And one of the peculiar things that we noted there was that the people were walking by. There wasn't crowds around them, so I thought, well, they must have gone over that way. But we get looking at it a little further. Some say, well, that's not the case at all. And this is another um, what possibly happened. Instead of finding a mountain over here to go up to the Transfiguration, many people say it's Mount Hermon, which is about here. And they went from there, and they were up in this area for those eight days, and they went down to Bethsaida. And it says that when they passed through Galilee, because Galilee starts right here, at that red line there would be about the River Jordan. Galilee starts here, and they passed through Galilee and came to Capernaum. Does that make sense? No? Okay. <laughs> All right. But anyways, you get your Bible, and you follow those things through, and look at the other uh, portions back and forth. So we're going to have a look at this this morning. And there's some interesting lessons for us um, in this in this bit right here before us. Let's get going verse uh, 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? Now let's just have a look at that. And when they were come to Capernaum, of course that's the Lord Jesus and uh, uh, the disciples, the twelve of them, they came to Capernaum. Now Capernaum was a major uh, city in the area. It was the area where um, I think Phil, uh, Matthew was there and he was a, a tax collector in probably in the customs house because a lot of trade went through that way and also from shipping would come across and the fishing and stuff. It was a, a busy, busy place. And when they were and there was a synagogue there, okay? That was very important. And in the synagogue being there you would have you know, the Pharisees and the scribes and those guys are always there, okay? Um, what's interesting to note, look at this. When, when they were come to Capernaum, uh, they that received tribute money came to Peter. They. So it's more than one. You can picture it. There's uh, at least two people, but they're not by themselves. They didn't come to the Lord Jesus. They came to Peter. Why would they go to Peter? Maybe they... Maybe they uh, they didn't want to deal with the Lord Jesus. It was um, um, the way these guys were. He always put them in their place. So they're going to kind of, maybe they're going to pick on uh, pick on Peter. He was there, kind of the, uh, the leader of that. But anyways, um, there's tax collectors. But they were collecting, um, it says here, um, they that received tribute money. Now, this is not a Roman tax, okay? This is not Roman. These were the people that were sent out from the uh, synagogue there. This was a Jewish tax, not Roman. Okay, and this was a temple tax. Okay, and this tax was sought for the upkeep in that. But you know, something to think about it. They didn't have heat and hydro. Okay, so they didn't have that kind of upkeep. What was one of the main things for the temple? Or the, uh, the the synagogue and the temple down in Jerusalem. They'd be in contact with them. They were collecting uh, um, uh, uh, money probably for the animals for sacrifices and such, eh? Probably that kind of thing. But nonetheless, it was a temple tax 
that was required of every person. We'll get into that, how much it is and all that kind of thing. Let's, I guess we'll do that. We'll just look at that tax thing. Uh, this was a Jewish tax. Uh, um, and they, I'm told that they, the regular time for paying this tax was in the spring. Now, the time of the year was autumn here, as we're looking at Matthew 17. And in just about six months or so, the Lord's going to be on the cross, which is a whole other whole other thing for us to look at. And I mentioned last week that the amount of information and such from this point on, just for a few months' time, is, is amazing that we have here. But uh, the Lord and His disciples were uh, not in that area at uh, in the springtime, so the tax collectors made a a, 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 a specific a point of approaching them, and Peter was the guy that they, they went to, perhaps be, um, to make up the deficit in their quota, I don't know, um, to seek an opportunity to further harass them, the Lord Jesus and his disciples. But it sounds like they probably, unless they had really good memories, which they probably did, they would probably write down who gave a tax and who didn't, you know. They would do that kind of thing. But the interesting thing for us is to look at this when it says receive tribute money, and then you have at the end of the uh, verse 24, uh, the word tribute again. Now that word is didrachma. A drachma is a Greek coin equivalent to a denarius uh, in the Roman. Now, the didrachma was the amount that each person was to pay their portion for this temple tax, okay? Um, and it's two drachmas, okay? The tax was two drachmas. Now we have in, and like I said, it's it's uh, equivalent to one, a Roman denarius, denarius, denarian, or whatever you call it. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 2, remember the guy that was going to, who was hiring men to go out work in his fields and stuff? And he said, we're going to hire them for a penny a day. Okay, the word there is denarius. So we can see from that that a denarius that they would receive for a day's wages. But the temple tax is two denarius from each person. You're going to take out of your pay next week or whatever, two days worth. That's a lot of money to them, eh? That's a lot of money to us here. You need to stop and look at it like that, okay? So each person was to pay two days wages towards the thing, And people had to do that. That's what they did back then, eh? And getting ahead of things, but we just stop and look at the whole thing. And at the end of it, remember the Lord Jesus says to Peter, go and pick up a fish and take the coin out of his mouth. Do you know that that was called a, a, a slater? A slater was worth four drachmas. Enough for two people to pay the tax. Then mm. our Lord something. He did something. It's just amazing. So the temple tax was two days uh, wages. Uh, and... Uh, just some information for us, and we look at that, it's good for us to see that kind of thing, and to, to put ourselves in that situation there. We pay taxes, our taxes are, are pretty high, but um, uh, they paid a lot more back then, and this was for the, the temple and, and that kind of thing, but let's get, let's get going here. He says, doth your uh, master pay tribute? Now, that word master there, it has the idea of one that teaches. Okay, one that teaches. So they saw Jesus as teaching, and they remember these guys are not sympathetic to Jesus Christ or to the disciples or the things that were being taught. They were contrary. 
So they come to Peter, and picture yourself, you're there. They come to Peter, we don't know how many there were, there, were. there was two or more, because it says they, they came to Peter, and a simple question, does not your master pay tribute? Well, why did they think he didn't? Because there was no record of him paying it. And this is important for us to see that, that Jesus had not paid this temple tax. Okay? It's important for us to see that. He had not paid this tax. All right? So Peter's kind of caught there. And, um, he says, yes. He doesn't say anything more. They ask him a question. He just says, yes. I don't know how he said it. But he just one word, yes. What have you done, Peter? Peter... The Lord was not paying that tax. But you see, this is part of the whole thing here and the, the wonder of it all. Peter went out on a limb, stuck his neck out. He really stepped in it. Okay? Jesus had not paid that tax. And Peter says, yeah. And that's the end of the conversation. That's Peter. What Peter does, <laughs> there's Peter, yeah. There he is. We read through the Bible and look at the different individuals. I would say, oh Lord, I am Peter. Do you ever feel like that? You're Peter sometimes, or you're Job sometimes, or whatever, right? Yeah, we can, we can, and we should identify ourselves with them. We see we're all just the same. So we get that. So Peter answers the question, and yes, but look at this. And he says in verse 25, and when he was come into the house. Now they're in Capernaum. I don't know whose house it was, but it was a house that they used for like a base of operations. They always came back to that. It was probably uh, one of the uh, uh, um, one of the uh, disciples or a relative or something. Okay, so picture Peter. Now he's had this confrontation with these tax. We don't know if they were Pharisees or scribes. I don't know. Maybe you know, and you can you can tell me afterwards. Uh, or this was their specific job to go around and collect this temple tax, and they asked Peter a question. Because Jesus had not paid it, and Peter says, yes, he does do that. He says, yes. And so Peter, I, can just, I picture it, he was like, oh, what am I going to do now? I'm going home. <laughs> and so he goes to the house. But look at what happens. So he's kind of stepped in today. And he came to the house, but look at what we read. Jesus prevented him. That prevented means that Jesus met him. He didn't come to Peter and say, Dummy, look at what you've done. Why did you do it like this? Why did you say that? That's not our Lord's way of doing business with his people, is it? Prevented means the Lord stood up, walked to him, and he initiated the conversation before Peter could say anything. The Lord's going to take care of it. Okay? The Lord's going to take care of it before Peter can say anything. He prevented him saying, and he's going, to, uh, he's going to lay out the whole thing before him. He says, what thinkest thou? What do you suppose about this, Peter? But look, at he didn't say Peter. You see that? He called him Simon. Now he's using his proper name. That's a sign of, not that it's disrespectful to call him Peter or anything like that. That was kind of a nickname. That's a dumb way of saying it, but that, kind of like that, eh? Uh, you shall be called Peter the Stone. Uh, but he calls him Simon. This is, uh, there's respect. There's relationship between them. There's something there between them. He's saying, Simon, this is serious. Okay? What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth, and he says kings of the earth, because who's, 
Who are we talking about here? The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he says, he's talking about other kings, the kings of the earth. Jesus, the king of everything. Amen? Amen. He'll be jumping up and down, shouting hallelujah, waving our arms or something, eh? Amen. Yeah, he is. That's our God. Um, and Jesus prevented him saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom did the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Now that word tribute, there's a different word than the one found up in verse 24. This one means a, a toll tax. Like sometimes you go along a road uh, and you, uh, you have to stop and pay the toll tax kind of thing. Um, okay. Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? And we know the answer. And it's just like the Lord to ask a question and he gives the answer in there too. So Peter's not going to be stumbling or tripped up or anything. Of course it's of strangers. They don't uh, charge their own uh, uh, families, their own sons and such. Verse 26, uh, Peter gives the answer. Peter saith unto him, of strangers. Okay? And Jesus saith unto him, then are the children free. Now that is not a question. That's a statement. The children of the kings of the earth are free from paying the tax. Mm -hmm. Jesus is showing him he's the king of kings and he has no obligation to pay that tax. He does not have to pay it because he's the king of kings. He's showing this to Peter. Okay? He doesn't have to explain it to anybody. But here we have a relationship. Peter's done something, I'm not going to say wrong, but he something wasn't quite right in the way he answered to them. You know, the, the whole situation wasn't right. But the Lord is helping him with this. He's going to make it right. He's going to make it better. But that's just like our God. And he says, then are the children free. In other words, they're under no obligation. The children of the kings of the earth are not under obligation to pay taxes and so on and so forth. It's the general population otherwise, isn't it? That's what he's saying. In other words, he's saying, for myself, as the king of kings, I am not obligated to pay that. Look at verse 27. Notwithstanding, notwithstanding, or nevertheless, or however you can put it. So we've got a thing there where the Lord has uh, this right to not pay that. And he says to Peter, nevertheless, lest we. That's him and Peter together. They're in this together. Now, you ever go through life and you have things happen and difficulties and, and you know, we're kind of dumb sometimes. And we think we're kind of all alone, eh? You know? You ever been there? You don't have to put your hand up. But we're never alone. It's always we. The Apostle Paul, the member team dungeon, my first answer, no man stood with, with me. Nevertheless, the Lord stood by me. It means literally at my elbow. In that member team dungeon, that horrible, horrible place, and Jesus is with him. With. You're never alone. We. And all the dumb things we do, the Lord will go through it with us and help us through it. Bring it to him. Peter didn't have to say a thing. He just went to the house. He just went to Jesus. He knows all about it. What is that thing? Take it to him. Take it to him. 
notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. That word offend, of course, to stumble and such. And them being the, the tax collectors and such. So he says to Peter, Go thou to the sea. Now what is it that Peter would do after he denied the Lord? He says, I go a-fishing. Because that's what he did. That's what he knew. He says, I've just made a mess of things. I'm just going back to do something I know how to do. And the Lord says, you're going fishing, Peter. I want you to just go fishing. Go to the sea and cast a hook. He was told another time to cast down a net, nets. This time it's a hook. Okay, and he's going angling. It's just a hook, same as we would do. And he didn't have, you know, the nice rod and the Shimano reel and braided line, all that stuff. They just had some kind of a string and a hook, and he just, some bait, of course. Remember when I was a little wee kid at our cottage, and we were trying to catch sunfish uh, without any bait on the hook. Does it work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> anyway, but it does work. <clears throat> but anyway, but uh, I, I don't think that's how Peter would fish. But let's look at it. Go to the sea, cast a hook, and take up the first fish that comes up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That's that stator we talked about. Okay? That's that stator. A piece of money, take that and give it unto them for me and thee. I don't know about you, but I get a lot out of that. I am so thankful the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. He's with us always, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter how bad, bad things get. Why do we always focus on that? We hardly ever talk about the good, good times. And he's with us in the good times too. Eh? Amen. 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 We don't get anything out of this. Get that for me and thee. He says, we're in this together, Peter. So even though the children are free, And the Lord says, we're going to pay that tax, just you and me. And he didn't, you notice they had um, provisions. As Judas was the keeper of the bag, kept the money in. People would give them money for traveling expenses, for food and such, whatever. They would have that. He didn't say, go and get some money and we'll go pay it. This is just between the Lord and Peter. Nobody else has to know about it. Nobody else is told about it. It's just between the two of them. And our Lord has that kind of relationship with every born-again believer. Amen. Just the two of us. It's, it's you and me. Mm -hmm. It's you and me in this. It's you and me in this thing. It's you and me in your life. Until your life's done, I'm going to take it. You're going to be with me all forever and ever and ever. Right? But He's with us always. I, that's amazing to me. For me and thee. Mm -hmm. but let's, let's have a look at some uh, uh, applications and such here. So the Lord pays that. He didn't have to pay it. He does. To get Peter off the hook. He cares so much about his, his follower, his disciple, his friend. He cares so much. He's going to get him out of trouble. Because he had said something that he probably shouldn't have said that like that. The Lord provides for himself. The Lord provides for Peter. He would not let Peter be embarrassed being caught in, uh, I'll call it an error. The money came from a, mirac a miraculous source. I was thinking about the fish. Uh, fish, you can catch them with just about anything. I read one time where a fellow caught a, a fish with a pickle. One time. They don't go after anything, you know, if it's presented right. 
So what happened to this fish? Did it pick up this uh, uh, stator at one time and it got stuck in its mouth? Something's going on here because it had, had this thing in its mouth and then went and grabbed uh, Peter's baited hook as well. I don't know, it doesn't tell us about that. I'm just thinking about it. We have here what is called the principle of acquiescence. Okay? Acquiescence is uh, Christianity 101. Some of the, the basis, the, the, the first, most important lessons for us to grasp and to have in uh, play in our lives. Don't ask me how to spell acquiescence, I probably spelled it wrong. But how it defined it means to be quiet. It means to comply passively. It doesn't mean to live passively and let people walk on you, but to comply passively, to accept. The Lord had a situation here where he was not obligated to, to do. We don't have to do that, but nonetheless, we'll do that. We, we, we don't want them to be offended. Let's pay that. You and I will pay that. Okay? Acquiescence from a miraculous, miraculous source. And through the Bible, we see um, we see that very principle mentioned in, in various forms and, and, and different ways. Um, the Lord Jesus Himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, His Father, take this cup from me, if possible. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Ah, you see that? Acquiescing to, giving into somebody else's will, not my will but thine. You see, it's to consider others over ourself, first and foremost. Over others. And that's the essence of Christianity, isn't it? It's looking at others and helping people with other things. If your enemy thirsts, give him a drink. It talks about going the second mile. It's uh, the definition of the word to be quiet, to comply passively, has that idea in there of a peace. There's a peace and a quietness and a contentment in the soul. You're not stirred up and, I don't have to do that. No, you don't. But you should. Take up your cross and follow me. In the Bible, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 7, a couple things are mentioned. Uh, why do you not rather take wrong? Why would, why would you rather not be defrauded? You stop and think about it for a bit, you know. We, we think about these things, and we should think about them. Um, we don't want to be defrauded. We, we don't want anybody to get the upper hand on us or anything like that. But it's not that all those things we look at as the Lord Jesus was teaching it here. All that stuff itself goes out, out the window. Let's just note some of the opposite things of acquiescence, because sometimes when we look at the very opposite, it helps bring it a little clearer. The very opposite of acquiescence is my rights, my feelings, me, me, me. Are others subject to our feelings? Are others subject to our tempers? Are others subject to our whims? We need to answer that before the Lord. You know? Acquiescence says, no, no, no. 
Acquiescence is not being uh, timid, not letting people walk all over you. It's akin to meekness. Meekness, the definition of that, that one fellow said, it's uh, uh, not insisting on your own rights. It's a power under control, not insisting on your own rights. Now I was thinking about this, and I remember when David was fleeing Jerusalem. And they're going out, and this guy, Shimei, is that how you say the guy's name? That's how I say it anyway, Shimei. And he's throwing stones at David, and throwing stones. It's a dumb thing to do. Throw stones at the king, but anyway. And one of the guys says to David, so go and take his head off. They no, leave him. Uh, perhaps the Lord had told him to do that. There's kind of a quietness and a peace in David's heart over the whole thing, eh? Amen. Okay. Um, to, to acquiesce to the needs of others over your own. Others' needs first. Okay. And the Bible tells us when you struck on the, on the cheek, turn the other one. Okay. This is Christianity. This is revival. This is, like I said, this is one-on-one -on -one stuff. There's no vengeance. God will repay. God will look after it. Christianity is a lesson on acquiescence. Acquiescence. Acquiescence is godliness. Acquiescence is grace. Acquiescence is peace and contentment. Acquiescence is yielding to others. You don't have to do, I don't have to do that thing. Yeah, but what if you do? Will that honor the Lord? That help? It's not a matter of we come up to a situation and I've got to decide, oh, should I do that? Should I do? It comes from a, a, a peace in the heart. It comes from a peace in our soul. Letting the Spirit of God have His way with us. There's not more to be said. This is a, oh, a, a wonderful and beautiful portion of Scripture. They all are. Mm -hmm. But that little lesson here, the principle of acquiescence. Could we think about that? Could we mull that over? Could we check ourselves? Could we see what our attitudes are like? The world doesn't know anything much about that. It's me first and me, me, me. But for the Christian, for the believer, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ living right inside us, this should be natural. Natural is breathing, amen? amen. Godliness, it's grace, it's peace, it's yielding. Anyway, we have to stop. Our time's done. Let's pray. We'll be done. Our Father, we just would like to thank you, Lord. We thank you for the Scriptures, sir. Uh, the things that are in it, Lord, the things that you teach us. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us with this principle of acquiescence to, to yield to things. We may have a right that we don't have to do something. Or, Lord, it's just going that extra mile, going that extra bit. It's thinking of others first, Lord. Help us to not forget this, Lord. We desperately need this. And we want to thank you, Lord. This is just the basis of the basic stuff in Christianity. Lord, we just thank you for your grace. And we thank you, Lord, as we read here that, Lord, Lord Jesus, you and Peter were in it together. And for us to think of that today, Lord, to think of you being with the believer and your care and your love and your strength 
and you're watching over and your help. Lord, we're so blessed. We want to thank you for your presence with us, being with us. Help us to learn from you, Lord. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll take our um, we'll take our uh, hymnals, and turn to 154, and those of Christian common time. Thanks for joining in. We'll see you again uh, in a couple weeks, Lord willing. Okay, thank you. Bye now.